0: Um, And I'm actually going to go ahead and start this series on this morning on what we would call the major prophets in the Old Testament, which are Isaiah, Jeremiah, who also wrote wrote Lamentations, which is a part of the books called the major prophets, Ezekiel and Daniel. Okay, so we're going to be talking about the major prophets. And let me just kind of clarify. uh, There are a lot of prophets in the in the Old Testament. And uh, we see some prophets in the New Testament, but it's a different order of prophecy. But when we When we call certain people the major prophets, it doesn't mean that the other prophets are insignificant, right? It doesn't mean that the minor prophets are not so important. We don't have to listen to them as much as the major prophets. What it means is that we have more work from them. We have a lot more writing from them. And, uh, and so the, the work is very extensive. And so uh, that's what it means today. I wanted to go ahead and to dive into understanding the major prophets. My hope is to give you an overview, right, of some of these books so that when you go into reading some of these complicated texts, you will have a little bit more clarity. Okay, my hope is that you will have a little bit more clarity as you're reading these books. Okay, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It's something that I used to do a whole lot. You know, sometimes when I would look for God for direction or for wisdom, or I just I didn't know where to read my Bible, I would say, "Okay, God, you have a word from me for me somewhere." And I open my Bible and I point my finger somewhere, and God forbid, I land on Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, because like, boy, that's some tough word. <laughs> Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel—they really have a lot of tough. Uh, 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 words of judgment and of repentance and and deal and things like that and and so they are very complicated. There's a lot of imagery and there's a lot of. Things that really we don't understand because we don't understand who they're talking to, what kingdoms they're referring to. And so my hope is to be able to add a little bit more clarity to that. We won't be able to extensively go through everything that the prophets said. My hope is just to give you an overview and some nuggets that I believe God would want us to dine on today or to, or to uh, munch on today. So why is it important to understand the prophets? Before we dive into this book, I want to I tell you why is it important that we understand pastors begin in a series called The Major Prophets. What's the point? What's the point? What's the point of understanding that? Number one, remember, Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law and the prophet. Okay? I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And the prophets in the old order or in the Old Testament, they lived to to they they kind of guided the people of God right and they gave direction to the people of God and oftentimes they prophesied of Jesus the Messiah the savior of the world that would come right so so it's very important to understand the prophets because in the prophets we find that that it gives us a blueprint of the Messiah right uh, when he, we, we, knew, we know who Jesus is, and we believe in him, partly because we see that he fulfilled the prophecy. Take, for example, Isaiah 53. By his stripes we are healed, right? The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, right? That is 750 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah was prophesying the reality of the Messiah, It's over and over again that you see these prophecies being fulfilled and Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. And it's one of the things that gives us the evidence of the reality that Jesus is who he says he is. It's important to know the prophets because Jesus said, I came to fulfill them. He was very well aware of the prophets. And I believe that you and I have to have an understanding of their ministry. Secondly, it's important to know about the prophets because they played a special role in preparing God's people. Remember that God's people, oftentimes, they were kind of like a yo-yo, up and down, up and down. And there were the judges, and the judges helped the people of God make the right decisions and so forth, helped them keep on track. But then came Samuel, and Samuel became one of those, a prophet or a voice for God that began to lead the kingdoms, right, Begin to lead kings. And when kings were established, a lot of times the kings were really crooked and wicked. And God would use prophets to speak to kings in hopes that the kings and the nation will repent and turn to him. So God used the prophets. They played a special role in preparing God's people or in instructing God's people to walk in the way of the Lord. And third, why should we understand the prophets? Because I believe that the prophets and their message still speaks today. Are you with me? I believe that a lot of things the prophets said in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel— they're happening as we speak. I believe that if we see some of the things and some of the judgments that they declared on some of the wicked nations, that we may be able to see what God expects from a nation, what God expects from a people. And I believe that in, in seeing the justice and and and. And God's desire for a people to be ruled by righteousness and peace and by caring for those who are outcasts will give us a blueprint of the things that our nation, America, and what we as a people should live by. I believe the prophets, they still speak today. So uh, today i like to dive into the book of the prophet Isaiah, which is often called the Prince of the Prophets. And here are some notable truths about the book of Isaiah. So I want to dive into the book of Isaiah. And here are some things I want you to know about the book of Isaiah. Number one, Isaiah spoke of judgment. From the gate, Isaiah speaks to Judah about their injustice, the things that don't please God. And he begins to speak about the judgment of God over their sinful behavior. Secondly, Isaiah is the prophet that gets division, right? He gets that incredible vision where God is seated on the throne, and the angels cover His face, and they cry out, "Holy, holy, holy!" and 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 He says, "Woe unto me, for I am a man of unclean lips, right? And my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts." So we we know Isaiah from this 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 man who gets this incredible vision of God and is called by God. We also know Isaiah because he. Uh, we know that the book of Isaiah speaks a lot about the prophecies of the Messiah, right? Uh, Isaiah is riddled, it's filled, filled with prophecies of Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ would do, you know, when the Messiah would come, what, what he would look like, you know, what, what, what to expect, what he would be called. Isaiah is filled with messianic prophecies. Uh, also, Isaiah uh, speaks a great deal of heaven. It speaks of the kingdom to come. And Isaiah, you find that uh, you know, the prophet speaks a lot about the world that belongs to those who believe in Christ, those who are obedient to Christ. Isaiah also had some serious longevity. His ministry s- span was 60 years, about 60 years, all the way from Uzziah to Hezekiah. He preached or he shared the the voice of God or the word of God to his people. That's an incredible amount of time. And there are 66 bo- uh, 66 chapters in the book of isaiah and some would say that it's very interesting the way that isaiah was, was broken up because 39 chapters speak of judgment and god calling his people to repentance and the and the rest the 27 speak to god's grace and his time of restoration and it's kind of interesting because that's the way the Bible's broken up right the bible has 66 books and you have the books of the Old Testament, 39, and then you have the, the New Testament books, uh, a, a time of the Old Covenant and a time of the New Covenant. So, And lastly, seven, Jesus quotes Isaiah a lot. Jesus quotes Isaiah a lot. The books that Jesus quotes are Deuteronomy. He quotes Moses a lot. Um, uh, it escapes me uh, in order, but I think Isaiah comes in third in regards to the books that jesus quotes now i want to pick up the scripture in isaiah chapter 1 1 through 20 and i want you to just i want us to just now on a personal level as we read this scripture pay attention uh to what god is saying to us now isaiah 1 1 through 20 reads this way the vision concerning judah and jerusalem that isaiah son of amos Saw during the reign of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Pay attention. I reared children and brought them up. Who's the father here? God is the father, and he's a good father. I want you to pay attention. He reared children. His plans are good. Right? He always chooses good for his children, yet his children chose to rebel against him. Do you see that? For now, we pay attention to that. Okay. And brought them but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkeys its owner manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. "'Woe to the sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted.'" Pay attention to that verse. "'Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion?' So b- what brings beatings and what brings affliction? Rebellion. Do you see that? Our own sins punish us. Can we agree on that today? From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open source, not cleanse or bandage or soothed with olive oil. Your country is desolate. Your cities burn with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as when overthrown by strangers. Daughter Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a cucumber field, like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Whoa, pretty serious. Now these are the people of God. And, and here's what Isaiah is saying, say, man, if it wasn't for God's grace, keeping some, we would have been destroyed, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? You're aware of how God's judgment came over Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed everything in sight because of their sin sickness? And here's what Isaiah is saying the people of God have become so sin sick that they deserve the same, ju- the same judgment Sodom and Gomorrah received. Well, that's tough. And let me just say that if God loves, he disciplines. And he does love and he does discipline. And I I just want to say this. If God was able to bring severe judgment over Israel, he can bring severe judgment over America. Can I get an amen there? Right. Okay. When you come. uh, So. uh, Okay. Verse 11. The multitudes of your sacrifice. What are they? The multitude of your sacrifices. What are they to me? says the lord i have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals i have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats when you come to appear before me who has asked this of you this trampling of my courts stop bringing meaningless offerings your incense is detestable to me new moon sabbath and convocations i cannot bear your worthless assemblies we'll talk about that in a minute your new moon feasts and your appointed festivals i hate with all my being Woe. That's God speaking, right? They have become a burden to me. I am wary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I'm not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cost of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now. Let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be w- like wool. White like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What a powerful word. Isaiah, in some places, the prophets of the Old Testament in some places have been described as a fresh tree that has just been planted. And the reality is, is that when we're driving by, if you're driving fast, you're probably not going to be able to notice a brand new little oak tree that's just been planted. But boy, when that tree grows and becomes an incredible oak tree, you notice it. And it seems like the prophets have always been treated that way, never listened to, oftentimes not respected. Some, some sources say that Isaiah was torn in two or torn in half. Right At the time of their ministry, no one listened to. Yet their ministry was for the future to come. And then afterwards, even the Pharisees admitted that they were prophets of God. Isn't that incredible? Sometimes when we bear the weight of God's word, People are not going to just come around us and applaud us. When we choose to speak on God's behalf, more than likely, some people are going to hate us. Jesus said, they hate me, so they're going to hate you. It is enough for a student to be like their master. Right? And no more. Now, when we look at this portion of Scripture, why I chose this portion of Scripture is because I think it paints a great picture for the entirety of, of the book and it teaches us i think when we look at these verses some incredible things about god some incredible things that i think you and i need to pay attention to and that's this number one god speaks to us out of his own goodness are you with me god speaks to us god speaks to his people out of his own goodness if god didn't care for judah He wouldn't he would have never sent a prophet. If God didn't care for Israel, he would have never sent someone to teach them his ways. But because God cared, he sends he sends his prophets and his preachers to declare his word. Isaiah 55. Excuse me, Isaiah 63, 5-6, the Bible teaches us this. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. So my own arm achieved salvation for me, and my own wrath sustained me. You see that today? I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. So my own arm achieved salvation for me. I want you to pay attention to this. When God speaks, and when God gives his word, whether a word of encouragement or a rebuke in our lives, it is because God is good, right? And here's a a greater detail to that. When God speaks, whether he gives an encouragement or a rebuke, it is because God is good toward you. Amen? If he didn't love you, he wouldn't tell you anything. He'd leave you alone in your own depravity. He'd leave us alone in our own depravity. But his love works salvation because he is a saving God. It is his nature. It is his desire. It is his delight that we would come to know him. So therefore, he sends prophets to speak to us. He sends his word. We have his scriptures so that we would turn and listen and obey and be saved god speaks to us out of his own goodness it is his own goodness it is his grace i want you to get this picture of god he is a saving god he is a saving god he is the god of salvation but then this continues with this let me continue with that uh, with this next point his goodness god who is good and speaks to us out of his goodness right his goodness should lead us to repentance right? The goodness of God should lead us to repentance. Listen to the verses. He says, come now, though your sins are like crimson, crimson, I'll make them white as snow. Come now, turn away from your sin. Turn to me, and I will cleanse you, and I will forgive you, not of part of your sin, but I will forgive you of all of your sins. His goodness should lead us to repentance. Isaiah 55, 1 through 13 says, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters and you have no, and you who have no money, come by and eat, come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread or your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, eat what is good and you will delight in the riches of fare. give ear and come to me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David and on he goes and he says, seek. The Lord, while he may be found, call on him while he is near. You see, God's goodness, his goodness, is constantly calling us, whether it be a word of rebuke or encouragement, calling us saying, let go of the world and trust in me. Let go of your worries and trust in me. Give your lives and your heart fully to me. The goodness of God should lead us to repentance. I want to share with you something. I think that it's quite possible for us to be enamored with the Word of God and with the church and with the people of God without living in repentance. I think it's quite possible to be enamored with even hearing strong Word and preaching and yet not living according to the Word we receive. And I'll give you a testimony of it. How many of y'all remember John the Baptist, who was also a prophet? Who used to love to hear John the Baptist? Who would call John into his court so that he could hear his word? Herod. But Herod was an unconverted heathen who ordered for John the Baptist's head to be beheaded. Yet he delighted. He would like to listen to John the Baptist preach. God forbid that we have grown comfortable, accustomed to coming to church, hearing the word, but not living the word. Are you with me? God forbid that we go in line with the rest of the culture that kind of likes being ministered to, likes being worshiping, likes the atmosphere, but doesn't walk according to the Spirit. This is why Galatians says, if you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Right? It's not enough to just be uh, around the atmosphere of God. You have to be about the atmosphere of God. It's, it's so comfortable to come that we can hear the word and even, even enjoy and appreciate good preachers. But it doesn't really matter if we're not applying the word of God. His goodness, His rebuke, His encouragement should lead us to repentance. As we move forward, can I say this to you? Righteousness is not something that comes naturally. Righteousness is not something that comes naturally. Righteousness is learned. Righteousness is learn. Listen to this. Let's go back to those verses. The Bible says this. Uh, learn to do right. Seek justice. Verse 17. Learn to do right. And then God gives some instructions on what it looks like to do right. Learn to do right. Learn to live righteous lives. What does that mean we have to do then? What are we being instructed to do? Learn. Wow, I'm glad you found it. It was a mystery. Learn. Do you understand that sometimes learning is very difficult? How many of y'all agree that learning takes practice? Right. I remember when I had my guitar, my first guitar, a Washburn, acoustic Washburn. Loved the thing. I was like, yeah, I'm going to play guitar. I'm so excited. And I started to play. If you've ever played guitar, you realize that that whoever made the instrument loved torture. The reason why I say that is because these metal strings go deep into your fingers, right? And you near bleed. You know, you're like trying to hold the chord G and you're like, "Oh Lord, I give you my heart. You can barely do this, right? It really is very painful to play the guitar until you develop calluses. Then you got those calluses and then you can you know, you can be like Tony, you know. You're, just, you're playing guitar breathless, you know, not even thinking about it. You're just like you know, but that, <laughs> nobody starts there, right? right? Nobody ever starts there. E- everybody starts with, you know, like painful fingers where you almost feel your heart be going tuk I never felt my heartbeat in my head. What is, what is happening? And so is righteousness. You you see what I'm saying? Uh, Now learning righteousness means trading our old lifestyle to please God and live in in a totally foreign way. I was talking to a young man who said to me this last week, you know what? I I realized what my problem is. And I said, what is that? I have too much of God to enjoy the world but I have too much of the world to enjoy God. <sighs> I, I, I can't live like this anymore. It's like, yes, you're at a great place. Says, I have too much of God to enjoy the world, but I got too much of the world to enjoy God. That's God saying to him, come to me, you're thirsty, and I'll give you life. Come to me. Forget that. That stuff doesn't satisfy. Let me satisfy you. You see, God's, Learning to live righteous lives, it, it's, a, it's, it's a process. It's not going to come overnight. And I want you to know that your God is not a fickle God. He doesn't love you like a middle school girl or a middle school boy loves. Right? He's not going to leave you, right, for somebody else whenever you make mistakes. He loves you very patiently. He's a long-suffering God, and he knows that you're learning righteousness. He doesn't throw in the towel on you. Don't throw in the towel on yourself. Amen? Learn righteousness is learned. Righteousness is learned. It doesn't come overnight. All right. Now let's move forward. So we learn his righteousness. Uh, The the next point I want to tell you. uh, Let me see where I'm at here. Uh, Okay. four. religious practices. We learned this from Isaiah. Religious practices. Cannot cover an unfaithful heart. Okay. We we cannot we cannot. Relig- God sees through religious practices; He knows the heart. God God sees right through false religion. And He says to them, "What are you doing? Why are you bringing these bulls and sacrificing them to me? What why, what is this? I despise your assemblies. You know why are you trampling my courts? In other words." why do you offend me in my presence? Why do you take me lightly? Why do you speak to me like I'm some homeboy? And not like I'm your God. And you know, if we would put that in our culture, I think God would say, you know, why do you sing songs to me like you're really surrendered? Why, Why do you do that? Why do you raise your hands as if your heart is lifted to me? Why do you do that? Why do you sing so loudly when you slander your brother in your heart and it's piercing my ears? It's so offensive to me. Why do you do that? Why do you fast while all along neglect the needs that surround you that I've called you to meet? What's all that about? Galatians chapter 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that you will reap. Are you with me? Whatever seed you put in the ground is the very seed that's going to spring up. God sees through false religion. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying singing is not bad and getting together, it's not bad. But, you know, we can be together here. And if we come with the wrong heart, it's like a, it's like a brass ceiling. Our prayers are going to reach anywhere. Because God doesn't care for religious practices without a heart that's surrendered. Are you with me? God, God doesn't only not care; He despises it. He says, "I despise your assemblies. I don't even listen to your prayers. Stop lifting your hands to me." It's what He says. Whoa! You know what? You know why? Because God loves you and I so much that He refuses to accept anything from us if it's not our hearts surrendered. Are you with me? God is looking for people who will surrender their hearts. And so Isaiah fifty-eight one through fourteen. You have an incredible portion of scripture where the people are saying, why isn't God hearing me? Are we not fasting? Are we not praying? Where is our God? And God says, well, hold up. Don't, don't you dare call what you're doing fast. That's not fast. Is this not what I called you to do. And he gives us a clear picture of what it looks like to have a surrendered heart. Now, I want to tell you this, and I want to speak very clearly about this. What does it look like to have a surrender heart? What does it look like to be a person that God listens to, that God is pleased with? And, and w- w- what is that person? That person is simply this, a broken person. All God desires and looks for is a broken person. Someone who says, God, I am a mess. I am in need of a savior. I got so many issues, I can't even keep track. And I realize that you're my only hope. Someone who says, God... God, I am in need of your grace and mercy. Remember that the Bible says, Jesus said there was a tax collector and a sinner in, the, in a synagogue and they were praying in the, in the or a Pharisee, uh, excuse me, a Pharisee and a tax collector in a synagogue. And the Pharisee, the religious person was like, God, I'm so glad that I'm not like that fool. I'm amazing. Right? This is the pa- Carlos paraphrase. Pick it up. No. Yeah, It's like, I am righteous. I am not like this guy. And God wanted nothing to do with him because of his self-righteousness. But the other guy said, the Bible says he beat his chest. In other words, he, he was burdened by his sin and his shortcomings. He was burdened by the fact that he needed a savior. And he cried out the only appropriate way that we should cry out to God. Have mercy on me, a sinner. God never turns away someone who cries out to him that way. Are you with me? God never turns away the broken heart. And we'll close with this. Isaiah teaches us this very clearly. God. God's desire. His very delight. And it's really a full circle to where we started. God's desire. God's delight. God's longing. His pleasure is to save. God. Desires. Salvation. God desires salvation. Isaiah begins to do something that is very radical, and that is that he includes everyone, both Jews and Gentiles, in the fold of those who belong to Zion or those who belong to God. Isaiah 56, 7-8 reads this way. These I will bring, talking about those who don't belong to God. He says, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. And Isaiah begins to speak A whole nother language now to the Jews. Because the Jews in a sense, especially those from Judah, especially those from Jerusalem, they thought they were so great. And they thought that they were the only thing happening. And they were. They really were chosen by God. They were incredible in every way. But Isaiah is now opening the lid. He's opening the box and he says, (laughs) I'm going to show you how amazing our God is. He's going to start gathering people from all over the world. Because his desire... Is that his house will be a house of prayer? Now, don't lose this. Prayer is about intimacy with God. Prayer is about knowing God. His desire is that the world would know Him. His desire is to gather the world to Him, that they would know and celebrate Him and love Him. Now, our mission state our our vision statement is this: We are real people from all walks of life, advancing the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I love that. Just the other day, I hope this doesn't offend you. I only mean this in a, sub, uh, in a celebration uh, kind, of a, kind of a way. Uh, but uh, we, we looked over the congregation. It was packed. We barely had seats. And we saw people from all different cultures and different backgrounds and different, different statuses, whatever they may mean. They mean nothing to God. We saw people from all different backgrounds. And really worshiping that day for me was like, this is what heaven is like people from all nations seeking god that excites me about the rock i don't know about you but i get excited when i see that the rock represents what what i believe heaven will be like god's plan god's desire god's goal his delight is salvation and so it brings this thing full circle it brings isaiah full circle the judgment of god yes god seeing through the mockery of of false religion yes God not being pleased with lack of repentance, that's the truth. But at the end of the day, all of that is because God is working salvation to those who will listen. Amen. Would you stand with me today? Major things here from Isaiah. Major things that we have to learn is God cares so much for the salvation of our souls that He Himself went out of His way, left His throne to save us. That's incredible love, right? The other thing we have to understand is that salvation, a vehicle to salvation, is repentance. Repenting, uh, uh, the vehicle to salvation is repentance. Repenting of our sins. Walking away. Listening to God saying, Hey, come to me, though your sins are as red as scarlet, I will make them, I will make you white as snow. It's the mercy of God. Mercy of God. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, with every everyone just praying and meditating on the Lord this morning. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor. I want to give my life to Jesus today. I've been running away from a relationship with him. I've been running away. I haven't really been living for him, but today I want to make a public confession. I want to make a commitment to live for Jesus. I want to listen to him. I tried the world, and it's given me nothing. I want to give my life to the Lord. That's you right now with everyone praying and seeking the Lord and interceding. That's you right now. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? So that I am here. And I want to give my life to Christ today. I want to give my life to Jesus. So many hands, so many people. And I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to accept him as Savior and Lord of my life. Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, as you were preaching, uh, it was uncomfortable for me. I realized that I come to church and I do... All the right things uh, outwardly. But there were certain things that God was dealing with me in my heart. Certain things that he was examining that I realized I need to surrender to him this morning. Would you pray for me? I don't want to live bound to false religion. I want my heart to be surrendered to God. If that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Amen. So many hands. So many hands. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you. Lord, I pray for those who raised their hands who said, I want to give my life to serve Jesus and live for him. I thank you for them. I thank you that today there is salvation in your house. On this cold, bitter day, on this cold winter day, people are in your house. They're getting saved. Now they're a part of the house. Now they're a part of the family. Lord, because they have given their lives. They've said yes to you. They've made a public confession, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your salvation work. It's already been working in their lives. It's already been working in them, God. You've made their hearts soft for you. And I thank you, God, that you, Father God, are sanctifying them, and you're going to teach them to live righteous lives. And I thank you that even right now, to every life that's surrendered to you, every heart surrendered to you, you take their names and you write them in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you offer eternal life. I thank you for eternal life right now. I thank you for eternal life right now. If that's you today and you gave your life to Jesus today, Uh, a savior and lord would you fill out a connection card let us know so that we can continue to pray for you and connect with you now father for those who raised their hands said i don't want to live my life in false religion i don't want to just come to church with having a heart that's not surrendered father i thank you for breaking the yoke of the enemy destroying offense father god bitterness whatever it may be and god thank you god for teaching us to fear you and not the world fear you and not the world to live for you enough for the world god in jesus name i pray god in jesus name for the courage to listen to your word and obey i pray oh god for the sensitivity of your holy spirit to meet your people right where they're at whatever sin we've lived with father god that, that god in the name of jesus that you would remove that from our lives show it expose it god that we may give it to you and lord i pray god that we would be a people of true religion of people who live a life surrendered to you, God. I thank you for integrity in everything in our life. God, I thank you for being a light in our lives. And God, I believe that this week you're going to begin to expose things that don't please you. And I pray, God, that as you begin to expose that in our lives that we would remember you only do that because you love us. And you will never ask us to do something within our strength. But you say to us, I will come in. And through my Holy Spirit, I will empower you to be free from that sin. Lord, I thank you for that it's not by our strength but by your strength lord i thank you that as we take a step of faith you lead us and guide us father we bless you we thank you for these things we thank you lord you're a good god you're a merciful god we bless you jesus thank you for salvation in jesus name we pray amen amen and if you're here and you need prayer uh, you'd like for us to pray for you individually would you come up to the altar we'd love to pray for you God bless you. God keep you and protect you. Be safe on your way home. Amen. Bless you.